I could talk for 30 minutes and not even begin to scratch the surface on how much I love Brother and Sister Robertson, their family, the church family, the ministerial staff, and each and every one of you, from your greeters right on down the line. Sister Mosby and I always look forward to coming to McCormick's Creek. It is always a highlight of our, of our year. And, of course, the other highlight of our year is when your pastor and his wife managed to make it down our way. And uh, I could say a lot, but I don't have a lot of time tonight because I know midweek services are, are geared around children having to go to school and folks having to go to work and all of that. And so I probably will not get very excited tonight, probably. And uh, I hope that I can talk fast and get a lot in because the topic that I'll be speaking on tonight, and it, it is a Bible lesson, is such a little bitty topic. It's just tiny little thought. After all, understanding the will of God is not, you know, that's nothing major, is it? <laughs> understanding the will of God. Praise God. Stretch your hands toward the pulpit and ask God to give me special anointing and unction tonight. God, I do ask you, God, to overshadow. Let me, God, give direction to those who need it, encouragement to those who are down. May I lift up feeble hands tonight, God, and let everybody understand your will. I ask you to move and to work and to bless in Jesus' name. Amen. I do covet your prayers just before you're seated. I do covet your prayers. Please, Sunday morning, have special prayer for me. We will be preaching this uh, next few services, Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning in Monteagle, Tennessee. It's a small church, and I've uh, never preached there before. I don't know what to expect. It has been, I suppose, 20 years or so since we even... Uh, got together with the pastor and his wife. And uh, to kind of lighten my load today, he just uh, kind of dropped a bombshell in my lap. He said, now there's no pressure on you, but Sunday morning, the University of the South, which is an Episcopal university, is sending a contingency of their students to hear you preach to see what Pentecost is all about. No pressure. And... You are clapping, and I am shaking. I'm serious. And, uh, you know, because I don't think of myself as being anything great. And uh, I know that I only am what I am by the grace and the mercies of God. But I sure would like to touch some of these Episcopal young people with the power of Pentecost. Get an inroad started in the University of the South. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Much has been written, preached, counseled, discussed, argued concerning the will of God. I know that every minister here and every saint that's been in the church very long has heard some of the most bizarre situations explained away by just saying, well, it must have been the will of God. People get themselves in a bind. They make fools of themselves. They make the poorest decisions and then blame it on God. I oftentimes hear people say, well, you know, well, at least I thought it was the will of God when they finally realize what a mess things are. 
Young people especially experience heart-rending days because of the uncertainty about the will of God for their future. It seems that some of the most critical life-impacting decisions we ever make are made at the time of our life when we're, most de- we're, when we're the most unsuited, unprepared to make those decisions. That is why we're still young people. We have to make choices about mates, marriages, careers, education, the ministry. Almost every major decision in life has got to be made while you're a young person. And so tonight I'm not only teaching adults and senior saints, but I hope that something I have to say today will help direct the hearts, the minds, and the lives of of young people. You know, Saul of Tarsus, we know him as the Apostle Paul, summed it all up when God struck him down from heaven and struck him blind. And when Saul found out that it was Jesus calling his name from heaven, he said, Lord, what will you have me to do? What is your will for my life? What's your plan for me? He was given divine direction for the next little while, but for the rest of his life, the Apostle Paul, without writing it implicitly, was dealing with that same question. Lord, what do you really want me to do? What is your will in my life? Now, I'm trying to cut down a four-week Bible lesson into one hour tonight. And so bear with me if there are some times that it seems like I'm bouncing from one point to the other because I am. (laughs) Understanding the will of God. The scripture that I'd like for you to look at to start with is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, everybody say prove, not know, but prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, I hope I'm not uh, stepping on theological toes tonight, Pastor Robertson, and if I am, you straighten the mess out after I leave. I do not believe, I do not believe that there are three-tiered, that there is a three-tiered level of God's will. In other words, I don't believe that there is a good will. I don't believe that there is an acceptable will. I don't believe that there is a perfect will of God. You either know the will of God or you don't. Because if it is the will of God, it is acceptable. If it is the will of God, it is perfect. If it is the will of God, it is good. This is just letting us know that God's will is always perfect for our life. There are those that, and I'm skipping, there are four prerequisites for determining God's plan for our lives. And ladies and gentlemen, anytime somebody comes trying to help you find the will of God, use these four uh, prerequisites for determining whether or not You ought to listen to them. Number one is salvation. It's always God's will for men to be saved. 
palm readers have no idea what the will of God is for you because they're not saved. Amen. You can't go to somebody that doesn't preach the truth and expect them to tell you what the will of God is because they're not saved. If they're not saved, they cannot even begin to tell you the will of God. And until you are saved, you cannot know the perfect will of God for your life. Salvation comes before everything else. <clears throat> well, I'll say that again. Salvation comes before everything else. If you're going to be used of God, you've got to be saved. If you're going to walk with God, you've got to be saved. If you're going to be used by God in any aspect, whether it's music, whether it's singing, whether it's uh, teaching a Sunday school class, it doesn't matter. You've got to be saved first. That's the will of God. Boy, I would have got a bigger amen than that. My wife says I say that because I'm hard of hearing. But I didn't hear anything then. So you've got to be saved. Number two, you've got to be dedicated. We've got to present. We've got to give. We've got to yield. That's dedication. We've got to yield and dedicate ourselves into God's service, service before we ever begin to know what His will really is. Only, once, uh, only when we have dedicated ourselves completely to God and become fully His, willing to do anything He asks us to do, go anywhere He asks us to go, be anything He asks us to be, can we ever really begin to approach His throne and say, God, show me Your will. God's got other things to do than to waste His time talking to folks that have no intent of doing what's right. And if you go to somebody that's not dedicated, you're wasting your time because before they can direct you, they first of all need to be dedicated. How can somebody tell you where to go if they don't know where to go themselves? Dedication is the second prerequisite. Number three, separation. We've got to clean our lives up. I said we've got to clean our lives up. That's the reason that he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Separation is not something that we practice because of what the pastor teaches, because what the ministerial staff preaches, because of what a church organization stands for, because of the membership requirements of, of McCormick's Creek Pentecostal Church. Separation is what we do because we want God's will done in our lives. I, I want to be pleasing to you, God. I, I want to be directed by you. Number four transformation you've got to be transformed before you can tell anybody else about the will of God you need to study your Bible every day you need to have communion with God and have your mind renewed on a consistent conscientious basis so that we can mature and nurture our knowledge of the Lord praise God now, there are some specific things that we, knew, uh, that we know from the Scripture to be the absolute will of God. If you will, put that next Scripture up, 1 Thessalonians. Amen, hallelujah. There we go. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything. Read it with me, folks. It's up there. In everything. Give thanks. Colon. That colon is saying, look at what's coming next. Look at what's coming next. Hey, dummy, look at what's written next. In everything, give thanks. 
hey, yeah, but I'm going through a hard time right now. I've lost my job. I'm sick. The kids are all getting in trouble at school. I, I, I just got a report card. And dear Lord, this is a mess. What on earth am you know? Mm-hmm. But remember, give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That is God's will. That in everything you give thanks. That in e- Boy, and that's tough to do, and I know it is. Praise God. Doesn't get much plainer than that. His will for us is to always be thankful. It's always to be thankful. Now, if we read on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 7, Paul lets us know what the will of God is in daily living. Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Sexual sins are never the will of God. I don't care how pretty she is. I don't care how buff he is. I don't care what a hunk he is. I don't care what a kisser he is. That's not involved. Stay away. Is that plain enough? I can get a little more plain. I better not. I'm not in Gulf Fort. Praise God. That every one of you should know how to possess or control his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in the lust of concupience, even as the Gentiles which know not God. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. We're still talking about understanding and knowing the will of God. I've had people tell me, well, if God didn't want me smoking, He wouldn't have made tobacco. Or marijuana, yeah, that, that's natural. That's a natural herb. It grows out there and fine, no problem there, you know. Okay, I'm leaving it. Okay. Hallelujah. Our life should be lived to honor and to magnify the Lord. I said our lives should be lived to honor and to magnify the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We've got to be careful. Now, I'm going to focus tonight, in the next 50 minutes, I guess, or so, if I've got that much time. I don't know. Anyway, something. I'll, I'll, I'll be through at 9. Is that, is, that, is that what time we're supposed to be through? 8.30? Okay, 8, 8.30. Okay, I've got 20 minutes then. Good, I've got it. Okay. Now, I asked Brother Robertson about this illustration because I didn't want to use one he'd used before, and he said he'd heard it. Don't know if he used it, but if he hasn't, if he's used it, he copied it from me. Uh, we'll just... We'll just <laughs> There's a story that's told about a missionary who was assigned to an island in the South Pacific. And to get from the island where he lived to the big island where they had to buy supplies and take care of business, 
they had to leave the small island in a small boat. And there was one break in the reef that surrounded their island. They had to take a small boat, go through the, the break in the reef, and out beyond the, the reef there was a larger boat that would come in and pick them up. But the journey most of the time took most of the day, and so it was normally late afternoon or early evening before their, uh, the big ship would bring them to where their small boat was anchored up so they could return back to the island with their provisions. They had conceived of an ingenious way to be able to follow that channel back into the island. They had lined eight lights up in such a manner that when they were lined up with that channel, all eight of those lights merged into one light on either side of the channel. And as long as when they looked to the right, they only saw one light. And as long as when they looked to the left, they only saw one light. They were always sure that they were dead in the center of the channel. Now, I'm going to give you eight lights that you need to line up in order to know the will of God. You can't get just one of them and expect to be in the will of God. You can't do two or three or four. You have to do all of them. Now, I know this is Bible study, and I don't expect you to shout hallelujah all the time, but... You know, give me a good Baptist nod every once in a while or a Methodist cough or if you happen to be Catholic, shake a bush. But let's make sure that, that I even have my students do this in the classroom, folks. I, I, teach with, I teach with response, and that way I know I'm safe going on, that you, that you got the point. Everybody get the point? Good. The first thing that we have to line up is the Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the Word of God is given to us not just as a Little Red Riding Hood, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Sister Mosby and I got amused with our son the other day. He called the house and he told his mother, he said, You know, Sienna, that's our almost two-year-old granddaughter, said she's a live wire today and said I was trying to get her to go to sleep, so I, I read her Three Little Pigs. She liked Three Little Pigs. Read three little pigs to her, and she didn't go to sleep with that. So he said, the only thing within reach was the Bible. So he said, I reached over and I got the Bible. His mama said, son, what did you read to her? He said, Proverbs. He said, I like Proverbs, so I read her Proverbs. But said she wasn't impressed. Said she just wanted to ride my back like I'm a horse and not worry about Proverbs. Well, I've known some saints of God that... Uh, kind of responded to the Word of God in the same way. It didn't seem to impress them a whole lot. <clears throat> I'm not going there. But what does the Bible have to say about the Word of God? Well, the psalmist puts it this way. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You need to pick up your Bible. You've got a question what is the will of God in regard to this situation? What, what is the will of God? Now, if you're just waiting for a voice to speak from heaven and say, Lo, I am the Lord God, 
This is my will. If you're waiting for that, you're probably never going to find the will of God. How many of you parents ever get tired of talking to your children again and again and again and saying the same thing? If, if, we, if, if we as human beings, Bible said, if ye being earthly, carnal, know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Heavenly Father? Well, you know, I think the same thing is true. If we get tired of talking because our kids never pay attention to us, or because your hard-headed husband doesn't pay attention. Boy, I ought to got some amens on that one. <laughs> How do you think God feels when He has given us His Word? He's commanded us to read it and to study it and to hide it in our heart. And yet we ignore His directives and every time we turn around we're saying... Lord, let me know your will. Lord, let me know your will. Lord, let me know your will. And he's saying, hey, dummy, I've written it down for you. Read it. Read it. Read it. Hallelujah. Thy word, O Lord, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The Word of God has already reeled his will to us about hundreds of matters. Hundreds of matters. The Bible talks about the children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. I've got a doctor friend who for years was, his dad was a very prominent Baptist pastor. And I talked to Dr. Kitchens over a period of years about the Holy Ghost and, and about the reality of the Spirit of God in our lives. And it never seemed to click in his mind. He developed a condition that was going to require that he had surgery on his knee. And he visited a friend who happened to be charismatic. And in that charismatic meeting that he attended, the speaker began to talk about the power of the Word of God. And he said, the Spirit has spoken to me and told me that there's somebody sitting in this room right now that needs your knee touched by God because otherwise you're going to have to have surgery. And if you'll stand to your feet, lift your hands, and praise God, God has told me that He would heal you. Well, how many of you believe that? I believe that. Why do I believe that? Because the Word of God has already told us that it's God's will to heal. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee. Amen. And so... He was just going to sit there. And his wife said, Ben, for crying out loud, stand up. <laughs> and it wasn't because of the will of God. It was because of the will of his wife. Yeah. But he stood. And he was absolutely astonished. He'd been a Baptist deacon for years, but didn't know God would heal. He had read the Bible through hundreds of times but didn't know God would heal. You know, the Lord must have really been heart sick. Ben Kitchens, I want to heal your knee. Yeah. Why don't you listen to me? Well, because I don't know if that's really your will or not. Uh -huh. Come on. What do you mean you don't know if it's my will or not? I've told you it was. Well, after that, Ben received the Holy Ghost. And now he is suffering with Parkinson's. And his hand shakes 
quite severely. Dr. Kitchens has come to our church on several, several occasions, and he has talked to me about the way he makes it through every day. He said, I surround myself with the Word of God. It's on the mirror. It's on my nightstand. It's in my office. It's, it's everywhere. I put in written form the Word of God, what His promises are. He said, when I sit down to read, he said, I've got some books that deal with what the Word of God says about divine healing. And he says, I'm not healed yet, but I go through every day when I should not be able to, but I still do. I am practicing when I should not be practicing. And it's all because I have surrounded myself with the Word of God. You want to know the will of God? Start surrounding yourself with the Word of God. Are you having problems because you cannot find employment? Get a concordance and look up every one of those promises where God says, I will supply your needs. I once was young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. If I only knew it was the will of God, then I could believe it, Brother Fox. Get the word that tells you this is the will of God. This is the will of God. And quit saying, if I only knew. You do know. The first light you've got to line up is the word of God. Number two, you've got to line up the life of Christ. What did Jesus do? Because he's not going to ask you to do anything that he would not have done. Oh, yeah, the denominal world put out those what would Jesus do bracelets and necklaces and, and all of this kind of thing, bookmarkers with what would Jesus do. And, and we have kind of taken it lightly as apostolics because we've gone further in our relationship than wearing little wrist, uh, little bracelets on our wrists saying, what would Jesus do? And, and having bookmarks in our books at school, what would Jesus do? But I'm telling you, if we would really begin to look at what Jesus would do if he were here today, we would find out that the will of God begins to come more clearly into view. I can tell you one thing that is the will of God. It is time for the church to get in your face Christianity. You hear me? It's time for you to get in your face Christianity. The church needs to start knowing this is the will of God. Folks stop you in Walmart or wherever and, and say, I really am sick. You know, I need prayer. What do we do? We say, well, give me your name and I'll put it down and we'll take it to the church and put it on our prayer list. What did the Lord do? He healed all of them that came out to Him. Start getting the guts to lay hands on folks and pray. Well, now, I'm not a preacher. So, no, that, once again, what would Jesus do? The Word of God, the Word of God says, these signs shall follow them that believe not the preachers not the elders but every believer it is the will of god for every one of you to become a walking talking 
evangelistic outpost for the Holy Ghost in this area. On the street corners, in the barber shops, the grocery stores, McDonald's. Hallelujah. That's the will of God. Why? Because number one, the Word says it. Number two, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus would do. Hey, this is not just for young folk. You know, a lot of times you teach like this and they say, boy, now that's what them young folks really need to hear. Boy, if we could get them young folks around here really motivated and activated, start doing something. How about some of you gray-haired old codgers? How about some of us that have got some wrinkles? How long has it been since you laid hands on somebody and they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? How long has it been since you laid hands on somebody and they were instantly healed? I'm here to tell you that is the will of God for this church. It's time for us to look the devil in the face and say, this does not belong to you. Spencer, Ellettsville, Bloomington, this does not belong to the devil. This is God's territory. This is God's territory. Hallelujah. Oh, I know. I know. I know all these spirits that are around. But I know that God's will is to conquer and to defeat the enemy wherever you find him. He delivered the demonic in the tombs. He didn't have to find him in the marketplace. They touched and healed. The apostles did touch and healed the crippled man at the very door of the church house. Yeah, but they go to church somewhere else. So what? The will of God is not limited to Pentecostal folks. The will of God is that whosoever is lost, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek and to save that which was That's his will. You can't have a church operating in the will of God and have a church that has sterile altars, barren baptistries. You cannot have that if you're walking in the will of God. The will of God is to win the lost. Amen. Number three, don't just go by any voice you hear. You need to begin to discern the direction set by the Holy Spirit. You need to learn to be led by the Holy Spirit. The voice of your old nature or the course the flesh might have you follow cannot be trusted. I'm going to say that again. The voice of your old nature, your carnal flesh, is going to try to set a course that you cannot trust, nor can you trust that of worldly-minded friends. Yeah, but you know, my friend said this, and my friend recommended that I do this. You need to hear from the Holy Ghost. I said you need to hear from the Holy Ghost. I said you need to hear from the Holy Ghost. One of the major crises that is occurring in the world of Christendom today is the fact that we have so many saints of God who are lying on the beds and the couches of psychologists, psychiatrists, and counselors and are dosing with Prozac and everything else under the sun. Now, I am not saying that 
that we don't need treatment and we don't need help. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying whenever the voice of a counselor or of a doctor or of a lawyer or of a banker goes contrary to what the Holy Spirit of our Lord God Almighty is speaking to you, you need to ignore the sound of those voices and focus on what thus saith the Lord. Number four, Acts 16, 9, and 12, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, and there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to... Uh, Samotracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city in that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city abiding for certain days. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that you need to listen to visions and dreams, but only, only, only when they line up to the Word of God line up to what would Jesus do and line up to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You can have dreams and you can have visions running out both ears. You just ate too much before you went to bed. We call them turnip green dreams in South Mississippi. That's because you ate too many greens before you went to bed. Kept you awake in the midnight hour. I am a firm believer that God speaks to us with dreams and visions and desires to do so even more in the day and the age in which we live. God is going to try to speak to us and let us know His will in ways that we can understand. And I'm going to let you know something. This is a society that has become a visual society. Verb, uh, words are not enough anymore. I'll say that one more time. Words are not enough anymore. You've got to show folks something. You've got to paint them a picture. Some folks look and say, well, you're so dense, I've got to draw you a picture. Yep, draw me a picture. You watch Eric or Samuel. They get those little old games and they sit there and, boy, they'll, they'll make those things work like crazy and do it for Hours on end. Why? Because it is visually attracting and stimulating. Yes. And so what happens with us? We never see anything. Things happen around us and we don't let them become real. We see folks get the Holy Ghost and we walk away from the church and say, you know, if, if we could just see somebody get the Holy Ghost and they're getting the Holy Ghost in front of you. If we could just see a move of God. You are seeing a move of God. My God, what else do you want to see? I want a dream and I want a vision. Fine. If you'll ask God, God will give you the desires of your heart. But sometimes... Sometimes dreams and visions are hard because oftentimes they are portents of things that are to come and you have to wait for them to come. 
so you don't operate just on dreams and visions. Praise God. Number five, circumstances. Circumstances. And on the Sabbath, this is Acts 16, 13. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which were resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. To read that same passage of Scripture, you're going to find out that that's where Paul and Silas were in jail. They didn't have any place to go. Lord, we need to know your will. Where are we going to stay? How'd they find the will of God? Absolute circumstance. They were doing the will of God. They ended up down by the riverside. And just by chance, just by coinkydink, here is Lydia, the seller of purple, who wants to worship God. And you preach to her, and guess what happens? She got baptized. Well, if she got baptized, you know what Paul preached. He preached you had to get the Holy Ghost too, so I'll guarantee you Lydia right then and there got baptized, got the Holy Ghost, her and her household, and she said, hey, if you think I really got the good stuff, come on home because I got a bedroom for you and your buddy Silas. Come on with us. How do I find the will of God? Let God direct the circumstances around you. We call them coincidences. God calls it fulfilling His will. I just happened to roam into the church. Yeah, right. I just happened to meet Brother Fox that day. Right. Yeah, I just happened to meet Brother Eldar. And, you know, and he just happened to be a Russian. And he could speak my language. And, and you know, he just happened to knock on my door. What a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. It's the will of God being fulfilled. And you're seeing it through circumstances. I was just walking down the hall in the hospital. And, and I had just said, God, if there's somebody around here that can pray the prayer of faith, just let me find them. And all of a sudden, here you stand. You didn't come to see me. You came to pray for somebody on the floor below us. What are you doing up here? Well, I mashed three and it ended up on four. And I just started walking down the hall. And all of a sudden, here you are. How about that? What a coincidence. No, it's God's will being performed through circumstance. Praise God. Next, godly counsel, and I'm, I'm skipping some, but I'm still going to get eight in there to make sure my lights line up. Godly counsel, how do I know the will of God? Stand up, Brother Robertson. This is godly counsel. This is godly counsel. The men, the men that he has trained, the men that he has put into positions do what they do because of what he counseled them to do. Brother Fox can know the will of God because he's been counseled by Brother Robertson. Oh, come on. Somebody ought to say amen. This is, this is finding the will of God, knowing the will of God. You've got to have godly counsel. Get it all lined up. Praise God. 
very quickly. Next, the peace of God. When you can lay down at night and look back at the day's activities and say, Lord, thank you for letting me do your will today. You don't have a guilty conscience. You're not laying there saying, God, if only I had done this, if I had only done that. Maybe if I went this way, maybe if I went that way. I know none of you ever face those situations, but I know in my life I have. Late awake at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning and saying, God, I don't know how to do this. I really, really don't. And I thought I was handling it right, God, but I'm not sure now. But, oh, when you lay down and you look back and you say, God, I feel like you led me today. I, I lined up what your word said. I lined up what godly counsel said. I lined up all of these things. Now I have this peace in my spirit. And I'm not condemned. I don't feel condemnation. I feel the peace of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when you can really do that, then you begin to really know the will of God. And number eight. Well, I wrote it wrong, didn't I? It's it's not their fault, it's mine. Number eight is provision. Number eight is provision. A wise man once said, where God guides, He provides. Where God guides, He provides. You know, it's amazing. And I'm closing. I'm through. Not, Lord, forgive me for that lie. Not through, but I'm closing. It's amazing to me that a church, a good church, comes open and you'll have 42 preachers, every one of them coming in saying, God spoke to me, it's the will of God for me to pastor this church. And two years, three years, four years down the road, you know what? All of a sudden it's not God's will anymore. I've been in Gulfport for 37 years. I'm not perfect, but I know one thing. I know that when the Lord spoke to me 37 years ago, the one church I said I would never pastor was Gulfport. (laughs) My home church. I was Brother Glenn. God, I'll never pastor Gulfport. When God spoke to me, And I didn't hear an audible voice, but I might as well have because I knew it was the will of God. And I met with the pulpit committee, and they told me, we appreciate your concern, but we're looking for an older man because I was in my 20s. (laughs) We're looking for an older man, for a proven church builder. And one of the old saints of God that was on that committee saw my crestfallen look. And after that meeting that day, with my head tucked, slinking out of the room, he stopped me and he said, Brother Glenn, let me tell you something. 
if it is the will of God for you to pastor this church, it doesn't matter how we vote. Because if it's God's will, it's going to come to pass. They tried out preacher after preacher after preacher. I mean, big name preachers. Oscar Volga came and tried out. You know, some of these revivalists came and tried out. And I had the unenviable task of taking them out to lunch, showing them around the city, getting them prepared to come and take the church that I felt God had told me He wanted me to pastor. 37 years. 37 years later. I've wanted to leave a lot of times. Somebody asked, one of the old pioneers said, have you ever thought about leaving this church? He said, every Monday morning. (laughs) But if it was the will of God 37 years ago, And God has not told me he's changed his mind. Then I'm going to stay where he put me. Now, if God were to speak to me tomorrow and say, your work is over, I'd say, thank you, Lord, for the trip. The journey's been worth every sacrifice. You've blessed me so much, God. But he hadn't, and I ain't going nowhere. Because I know the will of God. Hallelujah. Understanding the will of God. I know this has been simple tonight. And I almost feel like apologizing for the simplistic nature of this message. But it's God's Word. And sometimes we need some simplistic fare. Praise God. Thank you so much, McCormick's Creek. Thank you for everything you've done for us. Sister Robertson, Brother Robertson, you are such great friends. I am leaving. With my spirit lifted two or three notches, I'm leaving with a spirit that is much more encouraged. Thank you so much for being my friend. Brother Eldar, thank you and Sister Jamie for last evening. We enjoyed it so, so much. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Fox, for being my friend. Thank you for the pies. Thank you for the cakes. My blood sugar has been running high. But my mind has been content. Thank you for the offering. Thank you for the lodging. Thank you for being my brothers and sisters. I love you so very, very much. If you were Spanish, I would say, Yo te amo muchísimo. If you were Russian, I would say, Yalovubas. I love you. May God bless this church.
Let's stand.